What's up, Born and Raised Nation? Got another podcast here for you. Trent and I sit down and interview Mr. Brian Call with Gritty. Been longtime friends with Brian. It's a good chance to catch up, hear what he's got going on. If you guys haven't checked that out, he's got the Gritty podcast and also YouTube channel. Yeah, it's just fun. Brian started filmmaking and actually attended the Full Draw Film School, which uh, myself and a couple other guys created about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. And from there, he's really blossomed into making a lot of cool content. So with that, so sit back, relax, enjoy. And a huge thanks to Onyx Hunt app for making this thing possible. If you guys need and don't have the app, Use promo code BRO, save yourself 20% at checkout. So with that, here you go. Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Yeah, recording. Doc. It's easy. This is easy. <laughs> Anybody can do this. Uh, oh man, guys, welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. We got a special guest today, uh, the gritty man himself. Haven't talked to him in a long time, so we're going through some possible podcasts in the future. And I was like, dude, we need to get we need to get back in touch with them. So <laughs> remember the old school days of the uh, film school. Uh, remember yeah. that? That's old school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I often think about it because that sort of was the birth of what I started doing was uh, hooking up with the film school and Cody. Remember South Cox being there, Christy Titus and Ty and Phelps. Josh. Yeah. Josh was there, wasn't he? <laughs> it was pretty wild. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah. Of, it's been a long journey, though. I mean, it seems like... Uh, long time ago now even the full draw film tour feels like a long time ago yeah 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 when when did you submit the film to film tour 2014 15 okay yeah man it's like (laughs) that seems way longer than five years you know like it yeah i i submitted it to you suzanne had cancer it was 20 it was july august time frame in 2014 and then uh, you launched the tour in that jam- you know, that following 2015 year. Yeah. So that's when my first movie went, was in there. And that was just such a wild ride. I started the podcast that same February or March or, or February or January of 2015. So, I remember talking to you at that for a while and we'd, we'd have discussions about you quitting your job and doing the whole full-time thing back then. Yeah, it was intense. I had a lot of money in savings. It's a good thing I did because <laughs> burned it. Burned. <laughs> <You> burned it. <laughs> but, but it was, you know, you get to chase a career that you love. I heard Gary Vee the other day say something like, Would you rather cry in a Porsche or smile in a Camry? And that's kind of how it is. Like he's like, If you can be really happy living on way less and having way less stuff, but get to do what you love every day. Isn't that worth it? And, and so for me, I'm not rich and I'm not making a lot of money, but I am rich in lifestyle. I mean, I just got to go hunt for two weeks in, in, in the back country and, you know, and I get to go again probably in another week or so. And not terrible. 
Uh, yeah, like yeah. before, I remember when I had, uh, what, 10 days of vacation a year? Yeah, and you pretty much just blocked that out in September only, and that's, that's pretty right. much... That was so right life. now. Right now, you're smiling in that Porsche, is what you're doing. <laughs> smiling in the Camry. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. How you look at it. Um, yeah, let's get in. I don't want to spend too much time on the whole COVID thing. How are you guys doing uh, over in the Salt Lake City area? What's how's it changed you? How's just brief description there? It feels like summer because I'm always home when I'm not out hunting you know generally i'm at home we're behind the computer recording shows or or editing film so i'm always home when i'm not out hunting and i'm it's the same whether it's covid or not the only difference is is my kids are home all day normally they're home after school but in the summertime it feels just like this yeah and we are hitting the mountain and going on hikes together and hanging out together, watching more movies. I mean, we, we kind of are a close family and spend a lot of time together anyway. My kids are like mini adults. Uh, how, and, how old are they? Uh, Caitlin is 16, going on 17. Wow. Abby's uh, f- almost 15. And then Hannah is almost 13. Wow. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're all involved in dance and gymnastics. And, and uh, Caitlin does CrossFit. And so we're all kind of, we get out and, but that's different. We're not doing that because. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. But uh, it's funny because <clears throat> I had a tag, a bear tag. Uh, to I wanted to hit bear spring bear bad. Like I had such a good time last year. I did not want to miss this year. And Idaho came out with, you know, I could, they were announcing they were going to have a meeting and I could see this hat. I went and bought my bear tags as quick as possible so that. Yeah they wouldn't close it down on us. And I bought my bear tags in Montana and anywhere, Utah, everywhere I could get a bear tag, I got one. And then, and then sure enough, everybody still tried to close it. Like, but because I already purchased my tag for Idaho, I didn't have to, I still got to use it. But if they just closed all sales, uh, if you didn't already have one, you were hosed. So I got in under the wire there. And then same thing with, uh, with, with Montana, they've, uh, they have a quarantine requirement, but I can accommodate that. So, so one thing we learned last night, we were talking with Zach Dillon and, uh, Renella had the same issue about the quarantine with the guy coming in bear hunt. They said, if it's for work, there's not a quarantine. And he like, they, they went through, so that, I mean, double check <laughs> that, but based, uh, since it's for work, yep, we, um, they, they, that that's the that's the uh, smiling in the Camry situation. Yeah, so I gray area. Yeah, we actually called uh, Lampers and I called and and he called and verified. So we're good for the Montana bear. So it looks like I'm gonna head up there and here shortly and try to get another bear hunt in. I've got like I don't know how many jars of bear meat. Uh, now we've canned a pile, but I want to get another bear so I can smoke a bunch of it because Lampers uh, smoked a bunch on the trigger there. And it was, he said, it's just unreal. It has such a good flavor to it. And, uh, and Anthony smoked a whole bunch. He's, he's done a lot of smoked, uh, bear hams and, um, I just, it's, I got to move into that and try that. Uh, But the canning is so convenient because I am, 
I like to pop open a can, a jar, and it's yeah. like having a crock pot meal that's perfect, ready to go. And so I pop it open, I dump it in a, you know, a tortilla with some cheese and avocado and salsa, sour cream, and I am in bear tacos right away. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, bear in, in fact, I'm just going to get real here, boys. Oh, no, don't yeah, do this. You know, <laughs> Please, Everything Lord. that leaves my body right now just smells like bear. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. like I've been eating a lot of bear lately because it's just like, it's oh, yeah. so good. And so, yeah, even when I woke up this morning, took a leak, I'm like, whew, smells like bear stew. Not good. Like, oh, <laughs> rock. Rock. Not good. That's I, not trigonosis coming right through your body. <laughs> what that is. The, the one thing that I have with bears that I, they just have a pungent, a dead bear taking care of it has a pungent odor to it. It's not bad. It's just a different smell, like a wet dog type like a, smell. Yeah, Ryan and I talk about it. We love the smell. Like we, oh boy, we just dive in, smell that fur. It's like the bear smell. There's a <sighs> musky bear. Musky. I think you guys oh, are lacking, smell. Smell. lacking something at home. I get I it. love <laughs> the <laughs> smell. Dude, what are you talking? Elk smell like jizz and urine. So, I mean, it's like. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Oh, no, the thing about bears with me is like the hair is so, it's just a different feel. The hair is, you know, the mm. coarse hair of them. And then, and then you get into them and it's like, no, you should never have grease all over your hands like that. But I feel like um, the mountain bears where, where we've been is, right. is, is a real different feeling than like a coastal bear. Yeah, uh, I, those, I, I think that that's spot on accurate, I think, on that. They're, coastal bears are greasier and they, they have a stronger smell. And the, the humidity, it's like in the springtime, you just feel a lot dirtier where we're up in that crisp, clean mountain air. There's a lot of color phase bears, about half are black, half or, or more are color phase. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to put our first video out on Sunday and it's, oh, sweet. It, it looks like you're on the moon, like <laughs> Mars, like there's just rock and dirt everywhere. And that's where Ryan uh, gets to his first bear. And it's, it's a different, Hunting them in the blues, for example, at the top of the mountains. It, I've been there with Anthony a couple times, and it's a different. It's different. They don't smell. They're not as. Because I've been to Prince of Wales, then Oregon, and killed bears there and on the coast, and there, it's a, it's definitely a greasier, dirtier situation. A little different. A little different. Bears but are just bear meat is bear delicious. Meat. Yeah, it's like amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm I say? A, I'm a, you know what I say that. Do you know what I say? They don't kill very many elk. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I wonder if it's if uh, the coastal bears are eating a lot of fish or something, or because I think they taste bears taste a lot of like what they eat. Right. Well, here, like Oregon, and where like, we're at, our coastal stuff, we don't have they don't have like salmon runs or anything like that. So it's like just grass mainly is all what they're eating right yes. now. Yeah, spring grass and yeah, and, and, and some bugs, stump yeah, stuff. Yeah. Where you guys are at is yeah. probably what, like uh, that um, onion, balsa root. onions, balsa root. It's okay. got the flowers. They eat a lot of the tubers and the onions. We eat onions and they eat a lot of berries. I mean, mountain berries and grass. Is there um, berries out there? It's a, out there? you know, it's my family's 
No, 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 not, but that's kind of the bulk of their diet comes right, 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 right. Yeah. fall and all that. But I would say the meat that we're getting, in fact, um, we had Jack Carr down here. We gave him a jar of it and he was just on Rogan's podcast and he's like calling me out. He's like, that is the best bear meat I've ever eaten. I need more of it, you know? And so it's a, it's good, man. I, I'm telling you, not every bear is created equal, you know, where you, where you get them. And then how you prepare them, I suppose. Sure. We're really careful with all the meat, keeping it really clean and untainted. And But it's my family's favorite meat. It's Ryan's family's favorite game meat. And I love elk, but elk and deer don't have the fat. You know, they don't have that greasy fat that <laughs> is so delicious. So it's like a good piece of beef, beef stew versus uh elk stew next time we're together you're gonna have to turn me on to this okay i'm gonna have to give you guys a jar to get you to buy in i'm all in so do you do anything besides salt in that canned meat or garlic 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 yeah and then you can add whatever you want you know my wife has a killer venison stew that she makes and uh we haven't tried dumping the bear in there yet but um, i bet that'd be good I think it will be. Yeah. It just falls apart though. Yeah. Just like so tender and falls apart and all the fat that's in there just kind of, I think that a lot of people make a mistake with bear. They try to freeze it. And I just don't think the the bear fat turns rancid so quick that you freeze it. It's you're going to have mixed results. I think most of the time when we freeze it, it just makes the meat taste bad within Mm. within two or three months. It's already tasting bad. Interesting. So we don't freeze it. I try to cook it right away. So that's why canning is nice or you smoke it right away if you're going to do it. But you're, to me, your window is short because if you don't prepare it, you, I've heard Renella talk about this years ago and that's when I started experimenting with it. You know, he's like the, the bear fat is not stable. Yeah. Uh, it goes rancid or it taints really quickly. Where elk or deer, you can throw it in the freezer and pull it out a year later and it's still got great flavor. What, what little fat is there doesn't turn. But bear fat is different and it turns quick. So <laughs> by by processing it in a can, you know, cooking it to a bajillion degrees in the pressure cooker for an hour, you've killed all the trick and you've, you've uh, cooked all the bear fat, which has caused it to preserve. Once you render bear fat, it'll last years in a jar on your countertop. It's fine once it's cooked; it won't ever go rancid. But in its raw form, it'll go rancid quick—just just a few days, just a week or two on your counter—and it's no good anymore. So that's why I I like canning it. I think a lot of guys will freeze it and then cook it later, like they do an elk or a deer, and it's just not the same animal. It just doesn't taste good. No, I mean, I, I would, I can sense that just like the bear heaters that we've done in camp, you know, like on the river when we've actually, you know, killed one fresh bear. Different. Totally different than, yeah, pulling it out of the freezer later on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me about these pack rafts. Like I'm super intrigued by this. Trent and I were talking about it the other day and oh. there's like a whole variety of, of things that that kind of opens up. Yes. Uh, the pack rafts are, they've changed everything for us because where Ryan and I have been hunting in a few different states, different areas, there's usually deep canyons. And at the bottom of a canyon is a river, you know, and it doesn't matter which canyon we're going into, especially in the spring with the runoff, there's a raging river. And to cross that river, you'd have to 
walk up or down 10 miles, 15 miles to find a bridge sometimes, right. some of these remote areas. And so if you think about it, we've been experimenting with different, with different boats, but the, the back, the, it, they're all alpaca rafts. We, before that, we did use some other brands, but they're just heavy and don't perform the same. I think alpaca pretty much owns the market when it comes to a backpacking raft. The one that Ryan used this time, which is the one we're the most excited about, is the caribou. And that thing is legit five pounds. That's what it weighs, five pounds. Wow. Five pounds, and it can carry uh, four, 400 pounds of weight. Gee. is the max capacity. So if you do some math there, uh, Ryan is about 180, 90 pounds, you know, fully dressed with boots, you know, 200 pounds, let's say. Uh, although he contends he's 188 or something fully dressed, but, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. He says he's skinnier than me, but I just think he has less muscle. But anyway, we're... <laughs> he's about 200 pounds. Uh, a bear skull is around five pounds or so. A hide is around 30 pounds, uh, with the claws in, uh, the bear meat is around 65 or 70 pounds. So, you know, you, you get a full bear hide and skull, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're in that hundred pound range or, or 110 or something. And then, our pack weight is around uh, with camera gear, you know, and whatnot and days of food. It ranges from 50 pounds to 65 pounds. So, you know, you're well, you're right in that 400 pound range or 350, 350 pound range. You're right in the comfort range of that raft. But when we had Thorteen on, who's the owner of Alpaca Rafts, you know, he did mention to us, he's like, these, these max load capacities on the boats are really conservative. He's like, you could, I'm not telling you, you could, there's liability things behind it, but just, just so you know, they can handle quite a bit of weight. So the way that, uh, we did it and we've experimented cause I own a mule raft, the, the mule, uh, model, the alpaca raft, and it can carry like 500 pounds. Oh, wow. Okay. How much does it weigh? It's a seven pound raft. Seven pound. Okay. But it's got enough room that you can fit two good dudes in there. But for, the mule is just right for an elk, right? Anything bigger than an elk. And you're talking a boned out elk, right? Yeah. And, and maybe the antlers in the head. And there's room to put the antlers in the head because the cargo space at the front of the raft, the raft itself, where you sit and there's a little room in the front, the caribou is that we that i just described being you know five pound raft and a 400 pound capacity there's not much deck space once you climb into it there's not your legs are taking up whatever space is in front of you so there's not a lot of room for that uh but they're basically i feel like the caribou is ideal for bear and and deer mule deer you could you can put the whole animal inside the cargo space so there's a zipper uh that's what i saw was so cool it's unreal yeah. and we tr we experimented with leaving packs and gear on the deck of the boat but the boat's so small it's just going to get wet dude it's impossible if there's any rapids at all water splashes in it's just not a and and you know anytime you've been in rapids water gets it 
So we found it was stable, more stable and more fun to use the boat if we just shoved everything inside the boat in the cargo fly. So you just unzip. It's, you're literally putting it in where you pump the air inside the baffle tubes of the raft. But it's oh, genius. Whoa. Those zippers are like indestructible. I've talked to Thor about it a lot. I'm like, what if I'm on a 100, 200-mile backcountry float out in Canada and that zipper goes? And he's like, yeah, it's, it, it would be bad. But Sucky. Yeah. <laughs> You're not fixing that hole. Yeah, you know? no, no. But, but uh turns out that it just, those zippers are, they handle it. They, they, they don't fail. Uh, and so, of course, they do like anything does over time. But in general, they don't fail. And so, if you have the, the, the cargo space, and the zipper, and there's a little maintenance you do to it, but they've been around like 30 years or 40 years, these zippers. And uh, yeah. I remember Ovis, Orvis had a backpack that has the same zipper on it, and I could close it, and then I could stand on it with my full weight, and it wouldn't burst open or anything, right. airtight. And so um, then they have a much bigger, heavier-duty one on the rafts. So you stuff your all your gear inside that raft and ryan was stuffing bear hides meat full backpack his rifle trekking poles like you name it it all went inside the raft zipped it closed then you pump it up and good luck moving it like don't pump it up like 50 yards from (laughs) (laughs) especially if you're one guy don't be sliding it too far yeah you're you you know you're not gonna be sliding that thing so we we learned that as we were like trying to muscle a raft down the river fully loaded. So get it in the water a little bit, stuff it, zip it, pump it up. And now your boat is like ready to rock. It's got 200 pounds of weight in it inside. Let's say the baffles and your 200 pounds, you hop in and uh, with the oars and stuff that are, they weigh less than a pound. You just, you just float the river. What's it like as far as the pump wise? So, So do you take the pump with you? across and then ditch the raft is that what you're doing and ditching the pump and everything or how does that work so i pumped it up with my mouth and it's surprisingly oh really yeah it's surprisingly not that bad okay Um, okay but the pump is actually just an a bag it's just a bag it doesn't weigh anything you just just let air in it and then you just smash it down it takes uh three or four minutes to pump up the raft Oh, less. Wow. Wow. It takes no time at all. And the more crap you shove in it, the less air you need. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, but once you pump it up with that, I like to get down and pump it up uh, without the bag, just with my mouth, because I want to just try to put as much air in it as Pressure I can, get it. it as tight as I can. Um, the valve makes it so you can use the bag and then it, uh, the back pressure keeps the air from coming out as you pump it. One way. Um, yeah, one-way valve. It wor- it works so good, guys. And then the the thing that we've found is uh so I would recommend a caribou. It's a 5-pound raft. And then the <clears throat> we talked about this. If you're just crossing rivers, which is what we did often, we'd be hiking down a river and it would be 10 miles down to a bridge and 10 miles back to where we're seeing a bear. Like that's a 20-mile yeah. jaunt just to get it to the other side. And the river's so treacherous, you can't walk it, swim it, go across it, you know. So you get a boat, 
you pump that thing up, it takes you 20 or 30 minutes. You shoot across, you let the air out and we hang it in a tree and we go after the bear. <laughs> same day, same hour. Like the bear that my bear, my first bear I got, we saw it. It was two miles away. It was just a dot on a mountain. We're like, okay, finally we've been hunting days. We jet down a, a, a mountainside, <clears throat> blow up the rafts, cross the river, stash the rafts in a tree and then book it after this bear <clears throat> go a mile and a half up to where the bear is. And then we get this bear and <clears throat> there's no, that bear would have been long gone most likely. Cause you know how bears are. They're just there and then they move. They feed so if, fast. The yeah. Thing. There's, there's no way we could hike 10 miles down, 10 miles back, five miles down, five miles back, whatever the distances are to the bridge. You'd use up your whole day, burn a lot of energy, but the boats, we just go across wherever. Zip across there. How is it like, uh, do you guys wear life jackets or? So we've gotten some heat for that uh, because <laughs> there's all these people that are like, uh, you know, telling us what a bad example we are, you know, and stuff because we haven't, we haven't actually packed uh, a, a, a life vest. And we've been talking about that and how to do it. You know, it, it's all about weight in the backcountry. You know, um, <clears throat> we're all we're all aware of the risk. And here's here's the thing that gets to me is um, it's just like someone who decides to skydive. Like, who's going to jump out of an airplane? You know, that's not I, that's not for me. Or a guy who wants to rock climb, you know, or climb without a rope or everything we do in life is risk and has risk taking a plane into the backcountry in Alaska has risk, you know, do all of it has risk. And it's a, it's, it's, everyone has to decide what's for them. And, uh, but we are thinking, you know, if it's one of the things that I'd like to do, it, it, we're kind of exploring the, the idea of, of getting a life preserver of some kind and, and figuring that out. The the deal is this, the raft itself has a seat that blows up and it is connected to the raft. So if your raft were to go lose air, you have this flotation device that's in the raft. That's a big, huge, like blow up seat, right? So that would keep you from sinking. Also in a lot of there's sections of this river that are pretty gnarly and can be, but a lot of times you can get yourself to shore and you can touch the bottom. Yeah. Basically the only thing that uh, where a preserve life preserver would really be beneficial for a lot of the water we're hitting is if I were to hit my head, you know, theoretically a life preserver could, when I'm unconscious could keep me up. Otherwise um, the river isn't such that it's not like we're floating the Nile. Okay. So I, I, I'm okay with not having the life preserver. <laughs> But again, we're looking at um, that it can't add that much weight. Some of these, some of these flotation devices that are pretty, that they're recommending for the backcountry. If I was floating long floats down the river, which we did one of those on on this last trip, we were like, yeah, we should just get a life vest. It's different than just shooting across, you know. You're you're uh, so it's something we're looking into. But our new strategy, I think, is a five pound raft and a seven or a two pound um dry suit because otherwise you you just get soaked and the dry suit is pretty legit like maybe you guys will pack uh chota waiters hippies in 
some of your areas, I don't know, like where you've got the waders that are, you know, crotch high. Yeah. Um, I had, I had some like wiggy waders slip over the boot type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know like Cole Kramer in Kodiak, when we were with him, he recommended those because in Kodiak, you're just always hitting swampy water, or waste water, and you can just put those waders on and then get your boots back on every time you need to cross a stream. That's decent. So the dry suit you can put on over whatever you've got on and right. shoot across a, r- a river waist deep if you want to just walk it. Um, so rather than carrying the Choda hippies, which I think are like a pound and a half, you can wear, you can bring the dry suit and the dry suit then also doubles for rafting. When you're in the raft, uh, you put that thing on and you're bone dry you know, your raft can just take on water, splash, you can float. If it's cold, you're still warm. Like the, so the five pound raft, the caribou with a dry suit, and then looking into the life preserver, you know, you could be as much as uh, seven, seven, eight pounds of, of total weight. And that's pretty cool if you're going to hike in 20 miles and you're going to kill a deer and then, or a bear. And, and imagine you'd have to hike that bear out and that bear is going to weigh 110, 120 pounds or so for all of it or a deer, um, right around the, you know, somewhere in that range. If you cape it, uh, that added to your 50 or 60 pound pack weight, that's brutal you know, 150, 160 pound pack weight. But with this raft, you pack in seven, eight pounds worth of weight and you put all that weight in the raft and you float it home. Unreal. Ryan took his bear, put it in the raft. We had like a eight mile hike. He put it in the raft. Uh, Sly and I walked. It took us, James and I, it took us, uh, I don't know, half a day of hiking with a 40 or 50 pound pack all the way to our, um, our area we were getting out of the water. Ryan floated it in like 12 minutes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like he had a motorbike. He just floated it down and, and it was more fun than what we did. And it was hot. And so not only that, it's just, it's so fast. So you, you sacrifice cause you carried eight pounds, seven pounds up river. But then it pays off when you've come down the river and you can go miles in. So I think um, we use it mostly just to cross river, but we'll use it on some long floats. That'll get us into some country that no one else, a lot of people could get there. They just couldn't get the animal out. Right. You know? A lot of guys are like, well, I could hike in there with 50 pounds. I just can't hike out 250 pounds of elk meat. But Trent, do this, like pack in your eight pound raft that you can handle that instead of a 50 pound pack, you've got a 60 pound pack. And now you're, you're floating your elk 20 miles out. Not only that, Ryan's just like chilling in the Oh, he's so fun. He's just floating, just antlers in there, you know? I mean, it's like, it's almost not fair. It's so. almost. <laughs> so, so you've mentioned, uh, you've mentioned Lampers a couple times last year. I don't know. Was it a year ago? You guys kind of got together about somewhere you guys did. A, I, I, I watched your guys' uh, tar hunt. 
Um, I watched your guys this last year's bear hunt. You, yeah. you like come yeah. a long ways in the last two years, I would say with, uh, not just with, with coming out more on the YouTube side of things, but with lampers and stuff. And, and tell me about that relationship as far as how did that spark and, and you guys got together. Cause the first video I saw is like, is this going to work? Is this, this, this could be good. This could be good. And the more I watched and then the more comfortable that lampers got in front of the camera, dude, it has just been, I mean, awesome awesome to watch you guys tell me tell me a little bit about how that kind of came about well ryan is um we met through train to hunt okay <clears throat> the first time i met him was right at the same time i went to the full draw film tour um that first year train to hunt had an event and you know they did the whole run around exercise you know you shoot a, a bow and you had the backpack challenge and all of that. So, uh, Corey Miller had, uh, I had done a giveaway actually, um, saying, Hey, if you, because it costs like a hundred bucks to join train to hunt. Right. So I said, Hey, um, here's a gritty, we're going to do a, a giveaway of two free entries to people who participate in this challenge we had. Well, lamp, Lamper's wife, Hillary, she put him in and he won a free entry to go do this trained hunt event. And so I didn't know the guy. I just gave him the free entry. And then he went to Nevada, I think it was, and met um, Dave Baronio and and a bunch of people from Train Hunt. And he won. Sucker won or he was oh, second yeah. place or something. Yeah. And um, I was like, there's something. I remember Jesse Wise was telling me, he's like, Hey, um, dude, that guy you gave the entry to, he won, he won the train to hunt thing. Like he was second place or first or something. So from there I started to, he was on my radar and I started to pay attention and, and then, uh, he was on my podcast. I met him at one of the uh, train to hunt events. I was filming there and hanging out and we got to talk and I'm like, this guy doesn't talk. Like he's silent. Like, so I'd stick the camera in his face and I'd do things that annoy him or I'd try to get him to miss his shots, you know? And I remember like filming him and uh, he'd still make shots, but sometimes you could get in his head with that camera. Like he did not like the camera. And uh, I don't know, he decided to come on the podcast and people really loved what he had to say, but he's, he's, he's pretty quiet. And then over the next few years, we just were friends just offline, not publicly. We didn't talk much publicly, but we talked quite a bit. Uh, I really like his wife, Hillary, and I'm calling her all the time at the, at the time for health and medical advice and tapping into her. And so we, we had a friendship offline and, and then <clears throat> I invited him to go hunt coos deer with Randy Newberg uh, and myself and Hush and all those guys. And that was the first hunt we did together. So we went to Arizona and he joined us for that. And he got to meet, you know, David Brinker and the whole house and hush and everybody there that he didn't know already. And, uh, and we hunted coos deer together and the sucker killed a Boone and Crockett coos deer <laughs> on his first hunt. And it was, you know, it was like on day three yeah. and Newberg's like, I've been trying this for like four or five years. And I went the year before and got skunked and, a lot of guys have been hunting with a bow for coos deer, but they've never killed one. Or if they have, they're not Boone and Crockett. And so Ryan does it. And, and, uh, I just got to watch him and, um, he's amazing. Like his style, his patience, uh, his ability to spot game, like 
all of its next level. Like I've hunted, I've been fortunate. I've been able to hunt with a lot of really talented people, but Ryan is um, kind of a different animal. Like his patience is unparalleled. So after that, we just talked some more and um, he, he was, he's like, I'm going on this bear hunt and we got this guy that's a cameraman, but he's not fit enough to go where we're going to go. And I really wanted to film this, but he can't come. And, you know, and I'm like, are you inviting me? Right. <laughs> are, like, are you asking me out? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because I check all the boxes for what you're looking for, you know? And he's like, well, yeah, if you're willing to go. So that's, that's what happened. I invited myself on his bear hunt sort of, and we filmed it and produced it. And we just clicked on that yeah. hunt. Was that last spring with Lusk or was that year last before? spring with Lusk? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was really the first real intense backcountry hunt we did. And, you know, let's be honest, like there's not very many people who want to suffer like I do, like, like is willing to do. You guys know, like there's not very many people who they talk a talk, but when they get there, they want to go home after a few days. And with Ryan, I didn't, it was like, we were all on the same page. We both want to do whatever it takes to get it done. And the, the guys that can often do it, they have obligations with work and they have to, they only have so many days of vacation and they got family and they have competing things going on. And Ryan, it's just a perfect fit. Ryan and I are kind of in the same space with the same drives and the same interests. We're the same age, you know, and Ryan can't run a camera to save his life. I can, but Ryan is much better at, at, finding game than I am. And, and so it's this perfect match where we, we really do, uh, bring, you know, different things to the table to kind of help. So we also want to maintain independence. Like Ryan is Ryan. Ryan does stealthy hunter. He does hunt harvest health. He does Ryan. I do gritty. We have different partners. We have different, uh, different things that we're involved in. So as much as we love to hunt together and we're, we're doing hunts together, we're both also doing a lot of hunts, not together and yeah. other people in other groups. And there, Ryan's, there's a lot of people Ryan's friends with that I don't like. And there's a lot of people I'm friends with that Ryan doesn't like. <laughs> and that doesn't matter. Like that's, yeah. that's, I wish people were more tolerant in general with, with that. Like I don't have to have all the same friends Ryan does. And he doesn't have to have the same friends I do. And I, I, I think that's commendable, you know? That's awesome. I, I just love the guy's, just his humbleness, I would say. You know, he's, he's, he's so look at his accolades. Yeah, but if you look at what he's done in hunting and, and stuff like that, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. And he doesn't shout it from the rooftops, you know? He's just no, like... Ryan is does not... Ryan is doing this whether there's a camera or not. Yeah. Ryan right. is doing this whether he wants to make money or not. Ryan will be poor to do this, you know? And in that regard, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like I this isn't fake. Like when I go out there and I spend two weeks in in the backcountry and I grind it out, I'll do that whether I did that as much as I could before I had this brand I was building you know you guys did it when you were kids and and all growing up like you don't and I feel like there are people who are in the same space as us that do it 
because uh, it's a way to make money or get attention or something. But then there's people who do it because they're going to do it no matter what. Right. And usually most people aren't very good at making money at it. <laughs> I'm not very good at making <laughs> money at it, but it's enough. And I get to have a life I want, you know, so it's, it's special. I'm really grateful. I feel totally grateful every day. Smiling in the Camry. Yes. Smiling in the Camry. Smiling yeah. in the Camry. So let's, let's, let's turn mm-hmm. gears here from, uh, Lampers to, um, uh, Aaron Snyder. <laughs> you guys I recently did a podcast. I listened to it. I, I, because you know, drama, why not? <laughs> so anyway, uh, what's your guys' relationship, friendship like, uh, like now? Is it, uh, is it way better? I think it's better. You know, <laughs> I think that, um, there, there are things that I'll always admire and respect about Aaron and, and hopefully vice versa. Aaron is, um, Aaron is an intense human being. And when you look at, for example, like Aaron and I are opposites, which is what made the partnership so compelling. Like Trent mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, is this going to work between Ryan and I? Yeah. There's some very different personalities at play here sure um and so the same was true with aaron and i like okay how 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 is brian going to get along how is aaron going to get along with brian and uh i just feel like at the end of the day aaron and i are both like independent-minded stubborn people i am you know i i have things i want to do and i want to do it my way and Aaron is every bit that and more. And so we butt heads off camera constantly, constantly. And no. people were like, man, it's like the dream team. You guys are so like buddies on air and Simpatico. stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, sure. When we turned the camera on, we were laughing and having a good time. And that's when we liked each other. When we turned the camera off and we had to hunt together, we were always yelling at each other or getting upset. And so it was like, it was such a strain on our lives. I think, I think I annoyed the hell out of Aaron and he bugged me. And, and so we, we struggled off camera that said, you know, parting ways was really, I think healthy for each other, you know, gave Aaron, uh, Aaron got to do what Aaron wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. And I could pursue my, my brand and, and the things I wanted to do in a way that I wanted to do it without, the conflict um, with these opposing views. But, but, but as long as we could keep it together, which was like three years, I'm pretty proud of that because it's, it was a hard thing <laughs> to keep together. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> I am. I mean, like, I love it. It's not easy. Aaron will be the first to admit it is not easy to get along with Aaron. Like, it is so a you're guy. telling me you telling me that there's like this matrix, the crazy hot matrix in hunting <laughs> is what you're telling me there. Abs- like absolutely. And Aaron is charismatic and funny and interesting, and you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. And he's also volatile and angry and <laughs> and so you 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 have to balance this, and it is a difficult challenge. And I try to get along with everybody and I really genuinely like people even people that I think are you know 
really different from me or have different views, I still can appreciate them. Um, and so I did the best I could for as long as I could. But at some point it was like, I felt, I felt, um, I hoped when we, when we did part ways a little bit, I still expected Aaron to be a guest on a regular basis. I still expected us to get along well on a regular basis. Didn't happen. It was like the moment I left, um, there was contention between himself and me and competition, which I don't, I didn't know we were in a competition. You know, there's mountain ops being involved and that being, you know, a sore spot for Aaron. And so all these things were going on and it was just, it's just a, uh, an unfortunate thing that we started to have a, a, a divide between us publicly as well, you know? And, and then, uh, recently, you know, I, uh, I was, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sponsored by quite a few companies I work with. I still like their products. I use a lot of stuff that I'm not paid to use. One of them is the stone glacier pack. I really liked it. Talked about it, compared it to Kafaru. Oh, that pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out people were mad. Weird. Yeah. Weird. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, Aaron called me. He's like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? And, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? I, I, you know, I, I was like, Aaron, you get to talk about any gear you want. You know, you can say you like this and you like that. And I'm going to do the same thing. Like, there's no, I shouldn't have to keep my mouth shut. Right. If I want to review some things and give an opinion, I should be able to do that. But because of the history, people, there are a lot of people who were like, oh, he's biased. He says he likes that because, uh, because he wants to screw Aaron over. And really for me, I just say what I think. And I try really hard not to worry about what people might attribute my motives to. So there's a lot of people who think I have bad motives. I don't. I just, I'm just going to do me. And I might piss you off and I might not. But I don't feel like um, it's really beneficial for me to, to skate around things that my opinions, you know, and people can complete, I don't care if you like my opinion or don't like my opinion. I feel like what I do is it's, it's part of my responsibility to just give you my, my, my opinion. I feel like obligated. And so, uh, yeah, it didn't go well, didn't go well for him or for me. You know, I feel like in this industry, that is, I mean, you can either go uh, out on your own or you could be the sheep, right? And you can just do what you're told and, and use the brands and say, this is, you know, this is the best brand ever. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a totally different, uh, man, it it is so weird. It is so weird in this industry. And that's why partnering with brands that you believe in is, I think is super key. Super key. Yeah, and there's a really mean uh, cancel culture type mob out there. And yeah. it's not just in the hunting community. It's, you know, it's Life. in every industry. And um, when you go against, you know, a, a prevailing opinion or a certain group, you can, you'll get their wrath. And uh, I've just always been willing to take the hits, you know, whatever. I'm just going to do it. And then uh, if you like it, you don't, you do, if you don't, you don't. And there are people who, um, I've found like a lot of times, cause I've been under, I've been hated pretty, uh, pretty intensely, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> Gosh. 
And uh, at this point, it's happened so frequently at times where I, I, I just genuinely, I now know, like, it's a lot of noise. Yeah, it's, it's a noise. lot of noise. On the outside looking in, I, I don't see, I don't see it, I guess. I just see well, you doing your thing and then, oh, yeah, there's, you know, whatever. But I don't see you getting hate. I, I don't. I'll see you guys do a video and, uh-huh. you know, you'll show what really happened and a, and a, an elk will get wounded, right? On a call in or something. And, and, and you, you show what happened and then the haters will come out and they will go born and raised this born and raised that and da, 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 and they'll just, and they'll pile on and you'll see all these comments and it looks like it's the end of born and raised. Like their careers are going, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> they're, reputations are soiled and then a week later the same people are like great hunt well that was awesome and so i feel like a lot of that moral posturing and and stuff is really it's 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 just a a sort of a it's what society is today and a lot of noise and so i i try not to yeah and it's it's their way of getting attention in the whole matter like the look at me scenario even in that that realm you know which is like I genuinely feel sorry for people that, that do throw negativity because there's underlying issues there in their life that they aren't willing to address. So, you know, and I think when you honestly look at, if you've bow hunted for very long, you know, you, you mistakes are going to happen. It's the nature of the game. And I think some people just haven't had enough experience. They haven't really killed anything or k- killed only a couple of things. And so they haven't, I think they're coming from an honest place when they criticize. They're like, you know, I would never make that shot or I would never do that. And and it's like, I think they're just coming at it from a naive standpoint. Yeah. Jay, it's, so, it's so easy to behind a, behind a screen, you know, behind yeah. a screen. It's so easy to talk smack about somebody else, what they're but, doing. But with Aaron and I, it's like, okay, Aaron, let's – let's put this behind us. Like neither one of us want to be drugged through the gutter with each other. And there was some sniping going on. So this, this was, <laughs> this was <laughs> that was what was so cool about the, about the podcast. It yeah. Was, so just, Aaron's like just bombs getting tossed over fences. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so juvenile. Oh, and yeah. that's, that's uh, you get emotional, especially when you sure. are such a good friend with someone for so long and it's both ways, you know, and then, uh, and then, you know, the amount of, of anger that you have for a person is also an indication of how much you care for that person or have cared for that person in the past, you know? Absolutely. And so I look at it and I think, um, you know, we, we were, we were going pretty hard at each other there for a little bit and, and we just got on the phone and, you know, and, and Aaron called me and he's like, Hey, um, and we had it out on the phone and, and uh, we talked about it. I'm like, I would have called you, but I don't know which Aaron I'd get. I don't know if it's Jekyll or Hyde. Like, I don't know <laughs> if, if I call and you're going to start telling me you're going to kill me and my whole family or, or if, if I call and you're going to be like, yeah, let's have a reasonable discussion. Yeah. And so when Aaron called me and I see the phone, I'm like, oh, crap. This could be bad. It's like, which way is it going to go? I don't know. And I just, you know, you, I'm not going to not answer the phone. I'll talk yeah. to anybody. Sure. So I'm like, here we go. And then it was really good. We had a great conversation and we decided that, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's do our best to put this behind us. And it's not that we have to be besties, you know, but we can respect each other, uh, differently and we can do our best not to talk about each other publicly in a negative light. 
And uh, we we really should respect each other because as Aaron said on the show and we both talked about it, Aaron brought a lot to the table for me. There's no doubt. I'm super grateful for what Aaron gave in my direction. And, and it, like Aaron said, I gave a lot for Aaron too, uh, really brought things to the table. It was a two-way street. We really both sure. did a lot for one another. And in the end, um, we want to be men, grown men. And, uh, and, and I think that act. it kind of – it kind of goes with what you said before, you know, as far as the, the one thing I got out of that is, is, and you said this already in this podcast is Aaron has a certain amount of friends that hate you. You have a certain amount of friends that doesn't like it. I mean, but still it's like, you know what? We're still men. We, we need, we can come together. Yeah. We're going to have our differences at time to time, but you know, that's what I enjoyed about the whole thing. It's like, dude, let's just, let's just, you know, put this knife away <laughs> yeah let's bury this hatchet man i'm <laughs> everywhere missile launcher whatever you want to call it yeah and um and move forward so no that was awesome uh yeah aaron he's a wealth of knowledge the guy's the gearest gearest junkie that i've probably ever yeah i mean well, he's, it's fun he's, good. he's a gear guy yeah it's fun when you talk to aaron because you'll you'll use the same piece of gear uh two or three pieces of gear and you sit down with him and uh, we'll start talking about it. And he'll have thought of 10 things I didn't think about Yeah. Uh, about the gear, like drawbacks or pros. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like it's you a know. shoelace, dude. It's a shoelace. It's a shoelace, uh, right. I didn't know yeah. it was used as a grot. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. like. <laughs> you want to hang me with that? Is that what you want? <laughs> so there's, yeah, he's definitely got a mind. That's why I think, you know, there's some really innovative and cool stuff that comes out of Kafaru. Uh, because you know Aaron's right there thinking about these things. It's his. It's how he's made up. So it's cool. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you What do you got planned for the fall this year? Uh, so the last year, uh, like last year, I went solo hunting for for uh, elk and killed my first solo bull, which was cool Sweet. archery, and uh, that was. It took me a while. It took more days than I than it should have taken, you know. I had opportunities earlier in the hunt and just blew them, you know. So, but it was a fun hunt, and I think now uh, this fall I'm going to go on. Um, I'm going to go on two archery elk hunts. Nice, Montana, what, Idaho, Montana, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to try to film them. So last year I didn't film archery hunts. I killed a coos deer archery. Um, just the, just just recently and i killed my elk archery but i didn't film them because it's so hard to solo film an archery hunt you know yeah. and i'm the i don't have a cameraman i am the cameraman i'm like with ryan and i are out there i'm filming so much easier to film a rifle hunt than it is a bow hunt it just is it's just easier and uh but this year i'm committed to try to film all the archery hunts oh sweet which will be a little bit of a challenge. I might have to get some help with that. Um, and, uh, but I got, I've got, uh, I'm going to repeat the mule deer hunt with Ryan and a similar hunt. A uh, couple of them actually trying to that do. That was so uh, fun to watch. That was trying awesome. We're trying to do two more late season mule. We did one last year. We're going to try to fit in two. Cool. Sweet. Um, so that's kind of it for the fall. It's like a couple mule deer and a couple elk. Um, it's funny. I have found like the tar hunt was cool and New Zealand is awesome. And bear hunting is one of my favorites, but the masses want to see elk and mule deer. They do. 
I would agree. I would yeah. agree. And yeah, we, we talk about that all the time. It's like our, our nucleus, right, it was around archery elk. That's kind of what, you know, yeah. we, everyone just thought that that's the only thing we ever did. In reality, that was, yes, one thing. But, you know, we, we enjoy all these other things. And every time we step outside the nucleus, it just shifts a little bit as to what the viewership's going to be. But it's like ultimately, fishing. yeah, exactly. Like ultimately, like we're outdoorsmen, you know, like we're, yep. we're doing whatever we can at, at any point in time. So, yeah, I, I uh, polled my audience. I'm like, what gives? guys like i'm like i went on a couple of rants i'm like okay you you a hundred thousand people watch my mule deer videos each video and then i my tar hunt i get fifteen thousand. like come on fellas like this tar hunt is every bit as epic as the mule deer thing if not more in in many ways and people are like eh, it's, it's not not a species. It, it, I found like it goes like this. Everyone said species is number one. Like it's got to be a species they're interested in or, or they're, that's really relatable that they're passionate about. Secondly, is it public land over the counter? Like how relatable is it? That was like number two. Okay. Uh, cost. Is it inexpensive? Can just anybody do it kind of thing? And then it went on from there like in ranking. So it's like, well, I suppose if it's a deer or elk, the most number of people are interested in that. And, and if it's over the counter, like our stuff was, then that's the most relatable and it's public land and anybody can do it. It's not a lease or private or anything. And so it just really resonates when you go to New Zealand, even though it's not really that expensive and that's what we were trying to show, you know, we'd get 30,000 to 15,000 views per video. Um, and we were talking to, Remy, Tim, Burnett, and stuff, they've done a lot of, Remy's done a lot of international stuff. And it's the same for them when they produce a tar hunt versus a mule deer hunt. You know, their, their exotic international footage doesn't compare to the viewership of, you know, a backyard elk hunt. It just doesn't. So, and that's okay. <clears throat> Understanding that though, if you're, if you have finite resources, like you and I, like we do, and we're, we're producing content and sharing information from gear to how to, to, you know, you know, we're testing stuff like the rafts, how can this work and sharing that knowledge? I can do that around a tar hunt, which doesn't, doesn't get a lot of viewership, or I can do it around a mule deer hunt, which goes through the roof or an elk hunt, which is even more. And so we've, I've kind of, been trying to put my resources more into the mule deer and the elk simply because that's what people want to see. Give the I did people it. what they want. Yeah, oh, but yeah. at the same time, Trent, I love to hunt a whitetail. Oh, and, here we go. And my audience <laughs> does not want to watch that. There we go. Or hear about it. It's, <laughs> like, it's like I still I, can't help it. It's like you guys go fishing. Like, I have no interest in watching fishing. I have no interest in fishing. You guys love to go fishing, and so you're going to do it, and I'm going to still hunt whitetail. It's just I know that it's not going to do me a lot of good. It's just going to be a giant disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I still think, like, us Western, Western guys should go do the public land whitetail, like what THP is doing. Because, yes. we, you know, we talk about anyone can come out here and hunt elk in the West. 
Now we have a leg up because we've grown up doing it. We have some understanding. We don't have a clue how to hunt a whitetail, especially in public land in you know Missouri. I think we should put ourselves in that mindset and be like, "All right, here we go. We're gonna, we're going to accept failure as is whatever it is, but we're actually going to go do this." And I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fun to reverse the role on that and go east. And I agree. Uh, you know, or even camp, do you know. what Gabrio does in Idaho. Yeah. You know, or you know, cool. up there in North Idaho and some of those mountain whitetails out west. You know, there mm-hmm. there's a Montana has a lot of whitetail. Yeah, but everybody tends to sit in a stand. Well, why not spot and stalk? You know, use your yeah. western tactics to do it. I end up hunting turkeys and whitetail, and I end up spot and stalk everything because <laughs> that's what I know. You know, and I've had a lot. I've had some success doing doing that instead of sitting in the, the tree stand but then again like last year i hunted mule deer with the bow with anthony and we did it on our ig story that time and we had so much engagement i'm sitting in a tree stand hunting mule deer and we're getting like twenty five thousand people tuning into the ig story each day it was ridiculous and all i was doing is sitting in a stand and filming mule deer walk by i didn't I got like 5,000 views when I'm sitting in a stand over a whitetail. Like, <laughs> species. Species. Yeah. yeah. People see what the, the human mind knows what it wants. <laughs> Give them what they want. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on this new kick of uh, bulls of the spring. They're called gobblers. Oh. Turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> We've went from bear mates the best. To I'm hunting whitetails out of a tree stand, and now we're just turkey talk. <laughs> podcast is really taking it. Uh, I, you know, it's it's called elk hunting for turkeys. Oh, uh, it, the cat road shuffle, full stretch shuffle. I'm telling you what, like I've had so much fun the last month here chasing public land birds, like riding mountain bikes, just like literally just how we do Roosevelt hunting, but locating. You know, I mean, granted, the best part is go wherever you're gonna go to set up on them but have you got into have you tried to do spring turkeys like that yes in fact we've i've done the whole i've killed like uh four or five turkeys now and and then been with others that are hunting every turkey hunt we've been on uh i've never had one come into a call and i've never had one i've never killed from a blind so everything has been spot and stock running around head off the turkey keep crawl pop up shoot it uh so i haven't actually done the whole call in you know i i just i'm a failure it's sort of like elk hunting too like i it's always i gotta pop up and i gotta sneak in on them like i can't call a damn elk in to save my life so but i found turkey hunting is a blast the deal is this if i can go out on a saturday you know if 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 I'm a guy that has a job nine to five and I have limited resources, I'm not going to burn my vacation to go hunt turkey. I'm going to go hunt elk with that vacation time. Hundred percent. Po- right, but if it's possible for me, which is why I like turkey or even bear, you can bomb up for a weekend and you can go chase these things, or you can do it after work, and it's a great hunt. I think turkey hunting is really fun. I mean, on a fun scale, it's way up there. But at the end of the day, you still just have a turkey versus an elk. You know what I mean? Like the fun 
I say this all the time. There's a lot of things that are really fun, but not as rewarding. And for example, some of the suck fests I've been on with elk hunting, I say this all the time. Elk hunting isn't that much fun. It's just, a, it's just a grind. It's, it's not on a fun scale. It's pretty low, <laughs> <laughs> but on a reward scale, on an accomplishment level, on an accomplishment yeah. scale, it's through the roof, yeah. yeah, through the roof. And so, um, I think we should, we should always pursue the fun stuff too, when we can. So, turkeys for me ranks up there just on the fun scale of just a blast uh and here you know thp you're talking about the hunting public i have probably watched more hunting public videos i've watched them all i don't think there's any i don't watch i'm a secret closet thp junkie really (laughs) and i got hooked on thp with their first seasons of whitetail when they first started doing a few and he was in the ghillie suit, yeah. Zach, and he's like all in there in their first three or four episodes, like, uh, Jeremy Eldridge at Hoyt told me I need to watch this. And so I did, then I did a podcast with him at the ATA show. And then I did more research and started watching. And, and then I was like, Oh, it's kind of just Eastern guys, whatever, you know, but then I started to find myself watching. And if you look at some of what I produce, I ended up, following a lot of their their style because i like the little graphs or the little pop-ups they'll use or the topo and they'll show you where they're moving which way the wind's blowing i found myself watching turkey hunts for strategy and i don't even hunt turkeys and i'm watching like every turkey episode and i'm like i have more fun watching turkey hunts from thp than i do actually hunting turkeys oh i'm i'm pathetic i'm pathetic (laughs) So I actually really enjoy uh, their product. I don't know why. I, I'm trying to put a finger on why I, I like their shows because uh, the, the variety of personalities that they've got with, with all those guys. I mean, they're all all slightly different, and yeah, and a little and I, I, I yeah, hunting with Zach and Ted was an amazing experience when I took an elk hunt in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the best part about <laughs> it, like Ted, it, Ted's the uh, quiet guy. And, and I asked Ted, I'm like, man, you, you sure don't talk a lot. And his response was, that's cause you don't want to know what I'm thinking. Just like stone <laughs> cold. Like, uh. But yeah, yeah, no, those guys are killers. And I, I will say like their strategy, especially Zach, like hates hunting them out of the trees. He's not a big fan, even of the saddle. It sounds like he's, he just would rather, if he can kill a deer from the ground, he'd much rather do it. But talk about uh, like him coming to the mountains, put some perspective on stuff that I never really thought about hunting and like the knowledge base and the uh, analytical side. It was really impressive. Yeah, I noticed that when we were hunting um, whitetail with them in Arizona and they were rattling deer in and they were, you know, they were using the Eastern whitetail tactics on coos deer and they were getting close they were, they were, they were, and then when we, when we were talking to, to the, to the guys, they, they were going, it's funny, they're obsessed with understanding why the deer are in this canyon and why they're moving over here. What are the food sources and where's the water? Oh, man. And, and they're all analytical about it. And I'm like, they were just there and you sneak up and kill them. Like, there's like, it's right. So let's <laughs> and, go on. <laughs> yeah. And so they're, they're like, 
and I think that's why I like their their uh, YouTube because they are that analytical, so they get me thinking, and then they they kind of explain why the animals do what they do, and then why they did what they did. And a lot of stuff you watch that that's not explained. You know, it's um, it's here we are. We just saw them over there, and then they get in position, and then they're like here he comes. And then it's like a kill shot, but you don't really know the whole package idea behind right. it. And that's, they, they do a good, really, they they do do a really good job with that. Yeah. It's up their alley. So I enjoy that. Um, when it comes to run and gun filming elk hunts, you guys are the king. Like I'm sitting here and trying to figure out how to film elk hunts without the camera guy screwing up my elk hunt. <laughs> well i'm serious you get you gotta you gotta let all that go you can't even think about that you just gotta you just gotta go with it think about trent how many lost opportunities have you had trying to film it um i would say yeah i bet it's a small percentage i don't think it's as high as you would think it would be um yeah there has been a few like yeah hey, thanks wait, thanks a lot me, thanks a lot dude but let me interrupt you okay go ahead, let me interrupt go ahead. you go ahead here's my theory Okay. It's a big difference when Cody is filming for you. 100%. Then when you have some hired cameraman who's never hunted elk. Yes. And often I feel like getting a guy that's a killer and knows when to move and when to stop, when to stand, when to move in on the elk and when to when he can get what movement he can get away with behind the camera, that takes a hunter. Oh yeah, and not a cameraman. Dude, and, and I think a lot of the reason that we are successful is we've all been hunting together for so many years. I know when Cody's going to move up. I know when we need yeah. to take the collar and move it. You know, we, we all read each other's motions without even saying anything. And, and not even knowing that that's what we, we did. or It wasn't until we hunted right. with other people that we're just like, oh, that's like these, <laughs> these things just all click and we never even talked about them. And yeah. yeah, it was just a different experience. Yeah. That's that's why I think a lot of what you're doing is not repeatable by other people because you have to be able to kill an elk, but then you also have to be able to film the encounter. And those two things together are a lot harder than people realize. When Ben and Anthony filmed, when we filmed each other, the three of us, we killed elk on film. When Anthony and Ben got busy and I was doing this full time and I was bringing on some other dude to film... I couldn't seem to get someone to film me very successfully. It was like right. we were always screwing up a hunt or, and every film guy for a couple of years I had gone with, hadn't hunted their whole lives. They really had only been on one or two hunts in their lives. And so you don't understand the noise you, you can get away with, what movements you can get away with. A lot of times the cameraman can't find the elk in the camera. Like that was a big deal. It's like they could film a commercial or a shoot or something, but you put them in the woods and you're like, it's right there. It's right there. And they're like, looking. they're like, I can't find it. I can't find it. You're trying to shoot the animal. And they're like, where is it? Where is it? It's like, give me the camera. You Never know, good. it's just Never like, good. Yeah. bad. So I've learned that uh, if I'm going to film archery elk hunts and I'm going to have someone film the hunt, they need to be a hunter first and a cameraman second, I think. I it's think it's that it's that works. super tough thing because we've also dealt with the whole. I mean, 
the cameraman's trying to range it for you and everything. And the camera's pointing away. <laughs> it's like, okay, hold on a second. Now, no, let's go back to our roles here. You're a cameraman, but you're also, you know what I mean? It's the cameraman no longer. I mean, we had to implement rules along the way. Like no longer he can he carry binoculars. There's no cameraman doesn't have binoculars. He doesn't have a wind checker. He doesn't have anything. He is. He, yeah. Yeah. He is a cameraman. So yeah, it, it's, it's been a learning experience for that, but. Well, to, to take it a little further, we, we just, uh, because of this COVID stuff, it's been tough, but we, um, we hired a guy from New Jersey for a new cameraman, this just in, and anyway, as soon as he can get here, he came out steelhead fishing with us, uh, we flew him out to, to do some filming out here, he's great job, great editing and stuff, but he had never seen an elk before. He came here. He got to see two herds uh, by the house here when we were going still at fishing. So that could be interesting. Yeah, that's that. I'll be interested to hear more about this. Yeah, no, it's, I've, I, 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 I don't know. I think, but I think if you've grown up, even if it's whitetail or anything, there's something about it where you know, you understand noise. You yeah. understand. You understand a little bit what and, you can get away with. Yeah, yeah, and. It's amazing. People who have spent a lifetime in the city, you know, really haven't, or they maybe, maybe they've been into outdoor photography or something, but they haven't actually had to sneak up on an animal within that 50 yard range. Yeah. These things make a living staying alive. You can't get away with much. I mean, it's, it's intense. And, uh, after having hunted with uh, quite a few inexperienced folks, um, that was one of Aaron's beefs, you know, when we hunt together, it was like, uh, realizing how hard it is to get in bow range, you can't be having an inexperienced guy tiptoeing behind you. You got to have someone who knows what they're doing. And that's hard. It's hard to find. Yeah. But people love seeing it, man. They do. And there's a few people that are remarkable. Like I hunted with Adam Foss. You know, mm -hmm. that guy's a killer. And you have Foss back there filming and he just knows when to move and when not to move. Um, and when you have that, it's it's a different ball game. Yeah. I can't get Ryan to film because he's technically illiterate. So we're we're uh, <laughs> <Technically>. he's <laughs> on paper. Yeah, uh, computer wise, it's uh, just he can't do it. So yeah. <laughs> I have to find something. Some, is your some, is your brother still doing work with you on the yeah edit Brent, side? Brent Brent edits. Uh, in fact, this film he's working on it right here behind me. He's he's uh, cranking, and it's been that's part of the thing where we were able to really dive into the YouTube space. Um, our goal this year is 24 videos uh, for the year. So trying to do, you know, it's, you know, I, there's different ways to, to sort of produce where you can do something less polished, but more frequent, you know, uh, or I would like to be more, I guess prodigious with my publishing, you know, a lot more of it, but at the same time, I, it takes me, I'm busy I'm on the road, but Brent be, had becoming skilled and more skilled every day. Now we're able to, you know, we got back last week and we'll put our first video out on Sunday. We'll try to do one every Sunday till like our four part series is out. Nice. And uh, so it takes us about a week to produce a film. It used to 24 take Cody. Twenty-four a year. No, <laughs> where, where are we going wrong here? Uh, for yeah. fourteen this month. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I look at that and I'm like, well, I could just drop it raw. I could do it really different. You do a good job. But I, yeah. I feel like, uh, like that's your niche. My niche is a little different. And I, 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 I have a hard time, um, you know, I want to do it. I want to do it in a way that I'm really excited to do it in, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't, I don't want, I I still, first and foremost is the podcast. That is still my passion and my love. And the video thing is, is also of interest, but it's not my primary interest. And so I still want to play the game and be in it and produce what I produce. But I, I, I don't want to, I just, if I do at the level you guys are doing on YouTube, I, I don't know that I, I can't keep up with the podcast the way I want to do it. Right. No, uh, I, and that's, I mean, I think like with Trent, like the co- level of content that we're trying to do with the Trent and I doing it full time and having an employee and then having Trevor and Steve, that is the only way, like single body. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's it's, no way we'd have been divorced a long time. <laughs> yeah, ago. It's, yeah, it's just Brent and I, and I feel like um, I feel the, the upside is there's only two of us. So yeah. whatever income we make, we split two ways. You know, versus with you guys, there's more people involved, and I would like to hire more. I just don't, I can't afford it. So we just, it, it's a nice life. We have a great life. We're getting to produce film that we love to produce. It's fun. It's it's up our alley. I get to have podcasts with cool people and I get to get this content out on a, on a rate that works. It pays our bills and, and we get to have a great, we get to do what we love. So it's all good. I, I still would like to scale and grow and, and have more resources and, but, uh, it's, it takes that. That's not, uh, this whole thing takes so many different skills you know, because there's the whole, the hunting ability, then there's the filming ability, there's the production, there's, there's the business side and selling merchandise or, you know, designing product or, st- and it's like, man, I don't have time for all that. I just want to go out and, you know, do a few things. So it's hard. It's hard to scale it. So I found a comfortable position though. And I like, I like what we're doing. And, and then, uh, we're getting, we're getting some slow growth. Yeah, smiling in that Mazda Miata. How about that? <laughs> Top down. Right. that dates you, Trent, right there. Mazda <laughs> Miata, right there. Yeah. It's like I remember that in junior high. That was a cool car back yeah. then. At least I didn't say Firebird or something <laughs> real bad. Uh, I thought it. I thought it. Uh, yeah. um, well, let's let's kind of wrap this whole thing up. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk about, real quick, uh, that you got coming up or that uh, whatever? whatever you got to throw out or Cody, you got any, any closing comments too? Well, I, uh, I hit it up with Brian there and then I've got, uh, I've got a little, uh, those five questions, uh, up here. This should know. be good. This yeah. Be so, good. yeah, uh, I, I, um, I just, man, if I'd love for people to tune into our bear series every Sunday, we're going to put out a film for at least we're going to try to make every Sunday this Sunday for sure. And then check back. Uh, we've got four or five parts. And yeah, man, if we can, we try to get, you know, it's funny, like we might get 40 or 50,000 views on our bear videos. It's really good. Um, that's what happened last year. 
but then sometimes you get 10,000 and I can't figure it out. Yeah. Like, I can't figure it out. Uh, I think it's, consistency is part of it and I'm not that consistent. Consistency. It's the YouTube algorithms that sometimes nobody knows what it's about. I think yeah. I, the scary thing is honestly, it's the first 48 hours of the video's life for the most part is going to dictate how or where that goes. And really? Yeah. 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 I've, I've been watching a lot and it, it's really in that if, if the video gets suggested to people and they, the view duration is greater than, than normal um, and there's interaction in the like side of it, I think the watch times, I think the number one thing out of it. And then, then it'll just start consistently pushing it to more people. And so, yeah, it's, if your subscribers like it and they watch, uh, you know, high, high view rate of it, or duration of it, the life of that video is going to be good. Um, yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's good to know. I need I need uh, as much help as I can get. So tune in Sunday. Tune in Copy Sunday. That. Yeah. Or you can just go. Or you can just go kill a wolf, and then it's just you don't have to worry. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about people watching it because they will. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Kill, killer cat video that we've got. Oh, that thing's crushing. What is it? It's like. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's like four, almost 400,000 400, views on that stinking thing. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I need to, I, I don't mess around with that much. I just put it out and then whatever happens, happens. And, yeah. but I have found that, um, for instance, a certain videos, uh, you can go in and look at what YouTube did for you. Right. Yeah. And when it, YouTube supports me, the views go through the roof. Yeah. And when, when YouTube said, doesn't really put it into the algorithms, it kind of caps out at this much lower number. But how to get YouTube to, to like feed it into the thing, I can't make rhyme or reason out of it. Yeah, so. I'll make a couple phone calls for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, what about censorship with YouTube? Because is there certain things that like sometimes I want to show people the quarter or the skinning or some parts of it, but I've noticed that YouTube will then shut down my video. We've, I don't, for, for whatever reason, like we, I think the biggest thing is like showing it as sensibly as you can, like as clean as you can type stuff, um, you know, still show the active, but maybe not uh, all the, the gory, gory stuff. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate. Um, so gotcha. Yeah, that would be great if folks could just uh watch our our bear series. It's I'm excited about getting it out. And I I don't watch much honestly of other like outdoor content on YouTube. I I watch different stuff, but I've actually watched every single one of yours. I actually have. I'll be totally (laughs) honest. I love that (laughs) throwing it out there. I do enjoy the way you guys do it, and I think that's the difference. You know, a lot of it is like. We're that middle of the road. We try to be like a little cinemagraphic without being just daily vlog, but to put them together every single day and just to roll on them and put them out, you, you, you can't spend too much time. And the fact is there's a whole world of people that are like, hey, I want less polish and more more content. Oh, yeah. I just it's, want yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that's the majority. So yeah. we're probably you know, erring on the other side. and But we're getting so much faster and better at it that I think we might be able to – to uh bump it up to 30 yep <laughs> hey look Trent, i did 14 last year <laughs> oh so my i feel God. like 24 is like you know wow aim high <laughs> <laughs> you got this you got uh, this. yeah so. that's awesome okay cody bring it 
Um, so we, 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 uh, we had our quarterly meeting the other day and we're trying to figure these things out with the podcast. We're like, Hey, let's, let's have a closing questions, just a little rapid fire deal. So, uh, we've got a few down here. This could be trial and error. Hopefully overall we can get up to about five. Um, and some are going to be fun, whatever. So first ones first, uh, toilet paper or wet wipes, wet wipes. Oh, geez. Oh man. That was yeah. Quick. I'm, Fist bump right 100. there. Yeah. yeah. Until you uh, can, can I can I throw something in real quick? <laughs> Tell you how Montana for mule deer and your wet wipes are frozen solid and it's a brick of ice. I stuff them down my pants, Trent, and get them. Yeah, nice there's another the issue you freeze. got. Right there. <laughs> go ahead. Go. Uh, um, what's the most expensive thing you've broken? Camera. Camera lens. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We got a we got a dead uh, Sony A seven three sitting on my counter right now. Ah, uh, yeah. Ryan yeah. dropped his A seven in the river last year. The lust did actually when we tipped the raft. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> fell in the water. Yeah. Uh, he said it took three, two or three months, and then it started working again. <laughs> so just give it some time, Cody. Just give it some time. Uh, um. If you could pick one superpower, what would your superpower be? Mm. It's hard to resist x-ray vision. Oh, <laughs> you went there with it. Uh, it wouldn't be flight. It wouldn't be, I could just run from unit to unit. It would be <laughs> a man at heart. Real man. Wow. wow. Yeah, but what if you can't control your x-ray vision and it's on all the time? Oh, yeah, it would be a little rough. Uh, I might opt for flight. I did tell Ryan, man, I wish I could teleport right now. That's what exactly. And then you take your shot. They take the shot. Um, And I guess one we've kind of used in the past. If if you could pick one mythological creature to have as a pet, what would it be? Mm. It would be like, I think a Pegasus or something like that. Something that can fly. You know, uh, what's that little freaky thing that was in Harry Potter with the wings, horse, something like that. Horse with wings. Horse with wings. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Unicorn with wings. Unicorn yeah. with wings. Uh, yeah. it, the wings are key. Like, if it doesn't have wings, it's just a horse. Okay? I'm out. I'm out. I, a horse with wings. Think of all the places you could go. So then his accomplishment, he can fly. And he has x-ray vision. Exactly. That is genius. Uh, it's like the modern day drone right there. You can go up in the woods, look through the timber. Oh, yep. There's a bull right there. Let's fly over there. Yeah. And, and it would be uh, a non-mechanical device. Yep. <laughs> you wouldn't have to wait that 24 hours. Would you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, legal in the wilderness, not a paraglider. So you're good. Yeah. Good yeah is that all we got, Coach? That's, that's all I got, yep. I love it. Man, I love man, it. this was fun, guys. Hey. I appreciate you, you, you hit me up. I really yeah, I know for sure. It's been too long, so really uh, stoked to see what you, what you got going on with these bear hunts. Can't wait to watch them. And, uh, yeah, send me some stuff. We'll share it with the audience um, on our so Check it out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, no problem, man. It's good to see you again. <laughs> it's you like too. a real podcast is zoom stuff i know i yeah. need it i've been doing a lot more of this because it seems like tech has gotten a little better even yeah mm-hmm. 
you know? That's a little glitches here and there. You can kind of hear it, but I don't, I don't, yeah. All in all, you get the perspective of the. Your sound is good. Both of you have really good sound from, from my end. So it's just, just, just Bose yeah, headphones, just, like regular Bose headphones. So really good stuff, brother. That background is, makes it all worth it, Trent. Yeah. Like Aren't those all guys awesome. worth, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so we badass. Quite a bit of uh, military stuff. And, and anyway, and, Oh yeah, I have the ones that I couldn't I couldn't share. We have our our uh, born and raised outdoors logo on bombs, actual like <laughs> stickers stuck to drones and bombs. And I'm like, can I share these? And they're like, no, we, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but it was pretty awesome. It's been that is cool, man. So anyway, but uh, thank you, brother. I really appreciate this man coming on here, and uh, we got to do this more often. Yeah. All right, you guys. Good luck. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. See you, buddy. Bye. Uh, Guys, if you ever want to help us out and support us, just jump on the website. We got hats, T-shirts, elk calls, anything like that. We just greatly appreciate it. It it means the world. It uh, helps us make content for you guys. Right now, we're doing a, with this COVID-19 and everything crazy that's going on, there's a bunch of kids in this world that aren't getting lunches because they're only they only get school lunches so uh, right now we're donating 10 percent of our sales to no kid hungry to give back so if you guys pick something up uh we'll be giving 10 percent to that charity to help get food in people's mouths so yeah sad times so i will say this is a bit of a recharge being out here being unplugged from the news and soaking up what uh God created for us. So pretty awesome to spend it with some great dudes.